Have you ever wanted to raise your hand and ask a question during the Sunday morning sermon? Are you looking for a place to find real hope? Join us on the Real Life Living in the Here and Now podcast as we tackle life's most unwelcome questions and learn to live free and real. Each week we take on a subject that cuts through the hype and deals with the hurt and brokenness everyone has but doesn't know where to begin. And now let's join your host, Joe Farmer, as he gets real with himself, with God, and with you. Hello, we're back with you on Real Life, Living in the Here and Now. Scott Napier here with you. Joe Farmer in, and we've got Cliff Branham again today as we continue with a very interesting uh, topic. I have certainly enjoyed our time uh, together here, fellas, as we've been uh, talking about this stuff. We're going to continue today, Joe. Yeah. Um, you know, we we kind of left off last uh, episode talking about culture and what is culture. And and um, if you think about what Jesus did, and you, you mentioned that, Cliff, that when he came, he challenged the, the culture. The way, and I think the church had gotten stuck in a rut you know some people describe a rut as a grave with both ends kicked out of it mm-hmm. you know so uh it's easy to get in a rut and i think we do it as, as humans it's just kind of a natural tendency we have to get in a routine and uh not that the routine's evil or, or whatever but you look at the what was going on when jesus came and, and they were more interested in their routine and their religion and their observances of of feast days and moons and holidays and sacrifices and even the sacrifice and uh, uh, you know Jews wouldn't accept coins from Romans that had the Roman gods and things on them so they had when, when you think about Jesus turning over the money changers table people would bring those and they would exchange the money so that they what they offered in the temple wouldn't be something that had a pagan god on it they hated the Romans so that be that became corrupt though they were charging them exorbitant taxes and and then they weren't bringing sacrifices well you could just pick one up on the way it wasn't a pure spotless lamb and so i think uh you know uh, if you look at the gospel and even you know it's jesus is more concerned with why you do what you do than what you do mm-hmm. you know he's more concerned with you know not how much you give but are you a joyful giver? Yeah. You know, uh, do you love your neighbor as yourself? It's not do you give, but why do you give? You know, so it's always about the heart. And so, Cliff, and you've done this, and I've done it. I've lived in in our, my community here in Manchester now for almost fourteen years, and since I've been here, I feel like God's called us to do things together, uh, do things as the church across denominational lines, and. And because of our culture, and it's not just here, it's all over the world. And I'm just telling you that right now. This is an Appalachia problem. People tend to to uh, get in these um, ways that we define ourselves. I'm, I'm, I'm Baptist, or I'm, I'm Methodist, or I'm this. Labels. Exactly. Yeah. I'm S-A-V-E-D. That's what I am. <laughs> yeah. you know, people ask me, what flavor are you? Well, I'm Neapolitan. That's yeah. kind of what I am. So. Yeah. But I found that, and it's not necessarily I, I just, uh, well, I'm going to do this, and but it's just things that God put in my heart to do that brought people together across denominational lines. And we've done a number of those things, but something happened here back, in, I think, in 2004 
were we kind of all rallied together uh, against the drug problem, and we literally had a march where 3,500 people or more marched, and at the at the park here in Manchester, there were 63 pastors and churches represented and stood up among the people, and we repented. Wow. And and took responsibility for the fact that we'd hid in our churches, that we'd been doing things uh, on our own as Baptists, Methodists, Pentecost, Holiness, whatever that label is, and we begin to work together. And God, God began to work. And there's still, to a large degree, that spirit of cooperation. And I think that goes against maybe ways that we naturally want to do things, you know, to say, oh, I'm going to work with you because, you know, if you're from a different denomination, then you see things differently. Mm -hmm. So to be able to work with somebody that sees things, but we decided here, if it's not life or death, heaven or hell, we don't talk about it. We don't fight about it. We tell people, if you're a good Methodist, if you're a Methodist, be a good Methodist. Be a good one, yeah. If you're a Baptist, be the best Baptist you can be, and you can fill in the blank, whatever that is. But when we come together out in the community to work together, it's Jesus. Mm-hmm. Nothing that's else. It. That's it. We don't talk about it. Yeah. We don't fight about it. We don't discuss it. It's Jesus mm-hmm. Christ and Him crucified and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Unity in the essentials and liberty and the non-essentials and all things in love. That's yeah. what I hear you saying. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's the way it'll work, too. And God honored that meeting that day and that period in time. And a great difference has been shown in your county right here. And what does that we say about you. what God would have us to do? Wow. You come know, together, man. Come together. The unity. Drop these uh, labels yeah. and come together. We all are not going to have the same ideas. And we're not all going to agree on everything all of the time. But if we find that common ground and we stick on that and we dwell on that, I don't care who you are. It'll work. Well, you look at. I'm sorry, I don't mean to. No, you're no, you're fine. I was just thinking uh, in regards to what uh, Scott just said. There was a, a gentleman who um, worked with me when I first opened up Springs of Life, and he was a temp- temperament counselor. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, but he would kind of. It was it's something like a genogram, a little different. It's more kingdom connected, I guess, than a, than a genogram would be. Um, but he explained to me uh, part of my temperament was was leadership. I was geared toward that. But but the downside of that was, if I had a mission, if I had a place to put my flag, so to speak, that I would tend to overlook the people. And so you hurt and you damage and you isolate and you anything that's that's an obstruction to your objective becomes a problem that you need to remove. And he said the the key for you in leadership is going to be learning that the mission is not that place to put the flag, but it's the actual people. And so I I think sometimes, even as the church, if I may, we tend to have our own dominational objectives. Mm -hmm. We have our goals, and we tend to overlook what God's mission and his goal has always been the individuals. The people. And we've got to learn how to see that and see um, what what the true goal of, of Christ is and that's to unite God's people with the Father. We have them come united together. Yeah. That's right, loving people. Yeah, and 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 the people. Man, What's the greatest great. commandments? Right, that's love right. God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Pretty simplistic, but we tend to add all these attachments. Yeah, that make it difficult for us and everybody else. I was, I was looking for a note I, I made here, but uh, 
I can't, I can't find it, but I found another one that I wrote. It said, if you're focused on the mission, there's no time for division. Mm. Yeah. You know, and, and I've said this before, in, in countries where there's great persecution, it's they don't have time to fight about things that doesn't matter. Mm. And, and if you think about the first church, it was just called the way. It wasn't called, you know, the Baptist way. Or yeah. It wasn't called this right. way. It was just the way, the way. you know. There's only one way. There's only one church. That's right. Uh, and, and the only way is Jesus. And so keeping him the focus of everything that you do, you know, it comes so natural to us now when we do things, when I do things here, it's as natural as it is breathing to involve other people that don't go to my church, don't believe, don't maybe necessarily, uh, you know, maybe a different denomination, whatever it might be. It's as natural to me as anything. And so when we do work, because of the things we've done, we've done things that's so much bigger than even the the uh, members in the church maybe that I attended um, that – I mean, we had more coaches probably in upward soccer than we had members in our churches. Mm-hmm. There's no way I could have done that mm-hmm. if I would have just relied on what I, you know, what on the resources our church had. So the mm-hmm. kingdom has greater resources than your local church. Mm-hmm. We can all do more together than Amen. we can separately. Exactly. Joe came to our church and inspired us one time. Are you doing anything in the community? What are you doing? You know what. And, you know, you think about all of these things, and he dropped some ideas, I think, and said some things that day. But we went on with it. They were so profound, I can't remember. (laughs) No, the thing we did was a free car wash, something so simple, at Walmart. And it was really comical to watch people's reaction. And to not accept any money. Yeah, I mean, that was the stipulation. Don't even let We're doing a car wash. That you're not charging. We're having signs, free car wash. Well, everybody else, uh, where's the catch? Well, you know, it's the catch. So don't accept any tips. I mean, straight up. If you do one, the whole thing is in vain. Mm -hmm. Don't accept anything from people. It is a gift to the community. You're serving your community. So we had all of these people show up to volunteer. And I think we even had water, gave some of them water and so forth, but washed their car. And to watch the response of these people that would try to give you money and you would say, no, we, we don't want your money. We just want you to have a great day. We printed up a little card, you know, no strings attached, you know, just have a great day. Put our service times on there and just whatever, you know. But to see the reaction of people because the church – Sometimes they think, well, they're all about the money, you know, and all of this stuff. But when you go and you just straight up are serving and just being a servant, giving up your Saturday, you know, five, six hours in the heat, you know, working. Mm -hmm. And and I said, hey, let's do the best job on these. I mean, it ain't just wash it and throw a little soap on it. Do a wash the car Mm -hmm. like it's your car. I mean, I'm particular if I'm washing a car. You better get all the spots if you're helping me right. or we're redoing it, right. you know, and you blacking the tires and you doing the whole deal. And so doing that and people just blown away. Like, right. why? What are you doing? Uh, <laughs> you know, and the Bible says give expecting nothing in return, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and 
the world says what's in it for me yeah you know exactly and that upside down kingdom there yeah, it is it. again it's, yeah. it's, happening yeah. again. it's a different it's different great. set of principles yeah. that govern our lives that's as right. opposed to the world's yeah and you're talking about you there a minute you know about the calls you know and, and i found this i was looking for the cause is not the call you know our call as christians is to know him as paul declared in philippians 3 8 through 10 Jesus himself said the same thing in his, you know, the high priestly prayer he prayed in John 17. He said, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. You know, my job isn't to make people Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, or whatever. Jesus said to go make disciples. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes we're more concerned with, we think making a disciple is making somebody like us. Mm, yeah. You know, and, and making disciples is making people like Jesus. You know, the same truth is conveyed in the story of God calling Abraham to offer up his son Isaac as a burnt offering. Isaac was a gift from God, but Isaac must never become the primary object of Abraham's love and affection. That place is reserved for God alone. Mm-hmm. Our Isaacs, whatever those are, those God-given blessings and assignments must never become idols. Your ministry, mm-hmm. your calling, that's not the cause, you mm-hmm. know. A just cause must never become the primary object of our attention and our affection. The Bible says you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Jesus said in Matthew 22 and 37. Mm-hmm. So right. oftentimes, even as a Christians, ministry or things that we do absolutely becomes more important. And you look at that, and that's I think that's what Jesus confronted. when when So when you're talking about changing the culture, I think that's what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And it, it's no different than anywhere else. What are, what does that mean? What does that mean to you, Cliff? When mm-hmm. you're saying we're called to change the culture, we're called to, what does that mean? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, speaking from personal experience with Springs of Life, there's been uh, at least four. I'd have to go back and look at my wife's records. She's a good record keeper, so she, she likes to write these things down so I don't forget uh, we look at them as milestones, if you will, in our past so that we can remember what God has done to continue to be faithful and in, in seeing Him uh, at work in our lives and through the ministry. But Springs of Life, especially in the beginning, I know there was times where um, God had to help me uh, put that ministry on the altar because the primary function was not me trying to save all the addicts in Jellico, but it was about knowing him and making him known. And so if my priorities and my motives are, are, are not centered where they should be, then what am I truly leading people to? What am I going to be discipling right. into right. these young men? And so oftentimes, you know, uh, we've been open almost seven years now, but there's been multiple times where even the residents and the staff have witnessed me putting Springs of Life on the altar uh, and saying, okay, if God doesn't show up and if he doesn't move, this is the the end of of the game here. And we're going to continue to be faithful. We're going to continue to serve him. We're going to continue to try to be impactful in our community. It just won't be through through this ministry itself. And so that's been, for me, very uh, eye-opening and rewarding because I believe that God is protecting me from falling into that uh, that rut, if you will, that, that double-sided, open-sided mm-hmm. grave uh, where we just become another organization who started out with really good intentions and good motives and then we got off, we got out of our lane because of self-preservation, because of culture, because of whatever the, 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 the case may be. Um, one of the things that 
I don't want to get us too far off topic that's been challenging, and I see a lot of great organizations fall into this. When you're serving in Appalachia, you tend to be isolated from the resources that you need to do the work that you, you want to do. So when I first got into this, you know, my primary objective and focus was to help people. I never realized the work behind the scenes it was going to take just so that I could help people. Just so you could help people. So I could help yeah. people. And so sometimes the, there is those outside resources that have their own agendas uh, and, and not judging those agendas, but they are what they are, and they may not always line up what's best for the community. And so th- when you're desperate for resources and they're trying to throw you grants or throw you, you know, uh, some a carrot and a stick, if you will, some bait out there, I see a lot of organizations lose focus on who they are, what they intended to be in the beginning because they can't function without it then it becomes preserving my position as a director or preserving whatever role that is that I'm offering somewhere else. So I think when you're talking about changing culture, when you're talking about preserving uh, our integrity and and doing what is right, uh, we're going to have to be willing to put all the eggs in the the basket. We're going to have to be willing to say, okay, God, here's my Isaac. I'm putting him on the altar. I'm willing to do whatever you say for me to do and trusting that whatever happens in God's sovereignty in that is what's best. Uh, And it's for our good and it's for his glory. Mm. Man, that's great stuff. What does it say, though, with, and if you look at the Pharisees, for example, and we're just going to use the Bible as an example, what they did became more important Mm -hmm. than anything else. And if you look at, they were corrupt. Mm -hmm. You know, the high priests were corrupt. And, and, you know, they say archaeologists have excavated some of the high priest's home, and even back then they were up around 5,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. You know, and with these elaborate homes and wow. pools in them and all these things. And what did Jesus do with them? And people look at the, the first miracle that Jesus did and they think, that, that doesn't make any sense. It, that looks silly. It's more of a magic trick than it is a miracle. And that's even while the Talmud taught about Jesus, that mm-hmm. he was really a magician and did right. some of these yeah. things yeah. basically like that. But what did he do? He took a ceremonial water pot that was used for Jewish ritual cleansing and he turned it into new wine. So, therefore, any time thereafter someone went and stuck their hands in there or whatever to wash and they pulled it out, something he rendered it useless mm. for its normal role. Mm. So, oftentimes, what we do becomes more important than who we are. Mm. You know, your church, your denomination, your quote-unquote ministry – if if and I see a lot of times people are trying to prop things up that maybe God's saying just let it die, yeah, walk away from it, you know, um, just let it go. But if we are um, more concerned with where we go to church or what we do than who we are, and 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 more concerned about that than we are. Uh, you know, reaching people, and and, I, and we've all seen that, and I think we do. And again, as humans. We have a natural inclination to do that. I think as hillbillies even more because we are clannish, because we are, um, we tend to group up. Stick with our own. Stick with our own. That's right. <laughs> That's, right. That's, right. That's true. Amen. That's true. That's good stuff. Amen. Great thoughts. Mm. Getting quiet now. That's <laughs> the quietest it has been. It is. It is. <laughs> But it's great stuff. It's a lot of profound things to think about. Uh, it yeah. is a lot of things to think about in these topics that we have mentioned, all going back to uh, just trying to to be a great leader and and develop these leadership skills and and in our daily lives. And and people are, you know, 
we have influence on on so many that we don't even realize can we recap we a little bit of what we've yeah, covered so we, we've touched on integrity yes um, the importance of of doing what is right um, we've talked about that leadership is not a position um, going back to mr. lips is that correct mm-hmm. in the courthouse he said he had some of the most greatest influence in the community uh, however he worked right. in the logwoods and was a janitor so we see that position doesn't equate leadership uh, so we're talking about humility and position and then and this is one i think that people will will wrestle with but um, staying true to who we truly are and and not um, living down to the expectations of of who people say that we are right. and and the importance of having integrity and being christian before we're appalachian and I know that's difficult for people. Yeah. Um, that's even difficult for me at times as I'm <laughs> yeah. walking out my life. It's, you know, sometimes I tend to do things with my kids or with my wife the way that I've been taught to do it. You know, sometimes things are right. you're caught instead of taught. Yeah. And so we catch a lot, you know, growing mm-hmm. up in Appalachian homes. And sometimes those things are polar opposites of what Scripture teaches me about being a husband or being a father. So that's just some of the things that stuck out to me. I know you guys got other things to add, but that integrity, knowing that leadership is not as much as a position, it is an influence, and then uh, preserving our integrity as well with who we are and not what we're trying to become. I think it's it's important that we we lay all of who we are at the feet of Jesus, Uh, our culture, our identity, ministry, whatever it is that we are, sometimes I think we want to hold on to some of those things because we're afraid of what God will ask us to do or what we will become. Mm-hmm. But if we will, for the Bible says that, you know, the vessel can't say to the potter, you know, why did you make me this way? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he has the power to make us what he wants us to be. Yeah. And, uh, and we have to trust him to do that. But mm-hmm. I think sometimes we're more concerned with, you know, being, you know, a hillbilly, mm-hmm. with being from this county yeah. or that county. We're giving up our personal rights. You know, exactly. you said earlier, you know, Jesus was reviled, but he did not revile back. He was rebuked, did not rebuke back. What does it mean to, you know, sometimes as Americans, obviously we've got a lot of rights that others don't, but we have those personal rights that we're not. That's what marriage did for me. It revealed a lot of personal <laughs> rights I didn't know that I, yeah. that I had. Yeah. Uh, so what does it mean to, to do, like so you said, right. Joe, and to lay everything down at the cross, our personal rights, our culture, um, all the influences? It's a lot of good things to think about. And, and I think we have, and I ask people all the time, I mean, do uh, whatever it is that you're dealing with, maybe maybe you have an anger problem. Do you, have you ever stopped and said, "Why am I angry?" Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, maybe you're you're insecure or jealous person. You ever have you ever asked why? Have you ever taken an honest look at your life? And I think that that's true regardless of where you live. And I think what we're doing in our communities, as God has called us, is we are challenging those things because that's what god's challenging in me yeah it's not something i'm not i'm not living the last mm. i tell people i didn't realize how screwed up i was till i got saved yeah and so the last 28 years of my life has been a non-stop uh god holding up a mirror and saying look how screwed up you are mm. oh my well you're angry or mm-hmm. uh you have unforgiveness or you have ptsd or now oh, well we're, you're going to have a nervous breakdown joe but i'm going to be there for you you're going to have anxiety and depression but you're going to learn something through it and all this stuff right. rooted in my childhood but how many times do we just bury that stuff mm-hmm. how many times do we just avoid it because it hurts yeah and there's it's a lot of stuff. hurt 
mm-hmm. and, are, and, and Appalachia. Yeah, hurt people hurt people, right? Exactly. They and, certainly do. Yeah, and then it also reminds me of the saying, a true shepherd doesn't merely point the way, but he leads the way. Leads the way. And, and that's what you're saying, Joe. As we receive healing, as we deal with the conflict of these things in our, in our culture and around us, uh, as true leaders, we, we need to be willing to confront that. Uh, to embrace the will of God in that and to live that out in a way that looks different than it has in the past. Amen. I'm inspired every time I'm a part of this podcast. I appreciate you for inviting me over. Oh, it man, challenges me uh, personally and spiritually every time I'm here, and I appreciate that. And Likewise. I thank you for uh, the opportunity to be here today. Cliff, I appreciate the chance to meet you, brother. Likewise, brother. Sure. It's just good having somebody here that actually knows what they're doing. No. You know, but you know, I, I just think as we leave here, as you know, people maybe listen to this podcast. If you live in a community, you live in Appalachia. There's a lot of things that people say you can't do that because of whatever it is you fill right. in the blank. Uh, again, if if your only reason not to do something is because this is the way we've always done it, then 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 you need another reason to do something. Mm-hmm. So, um, we I've just decided that I just don't. I don't look at life that way. I don't. I don't. I say, well, because I live in Clay County, because I live in this county, or because the poverty rate is this, or unemployment is this, or the blah 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 blah. I mean, I've started three businesses in, a, in one of the poorest counties in America. Well, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm. I guess I didn't know any better. <laughs> I mean, I, so I don't look at life that way. You know, uh, most of the limitations that we have is between our ears. That's it. We set it's, it on ourselves. It, it is. It's limitations we put upon ourselves. And again, are you going to believe uh, what other people said about you? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll never forget, Cliff. And I've told you this before, Scott. You've probably heard me say this before, but I'll never forget. And and I know we probably need to wrap up. But one day. Praying to God, I grew up in a home where I was literally told I was no good, that we that I was hated, and that mom, you know, your mom didn't even want you. We don't want you, you know. We hate you. We wish you were never born. And 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 I remember praying one day and and telling God those things, and God said, "But Joe, what did I say about you? And what are you going to believe?" And I said, "God, from this day forward, I choose to believe what you say about Mm -hmm. me," and uh, I began to apply the scripture to my life that day and nothing changed my circumstances didn't change the way i felt didn't change but what did change in my heart was i began to believe what god said about me seeing yourself how he views you that's right Mm -hmm. and so there's people out there listening maybe you live in this this area and you just believe maybe you grew up not you're in a home like I, i grew up in and you've heard those things. Maybe even your teachers. I tell people, I don't remember one grown-up ever having anything good to say about me. Mm-hmm. Not my teachers, nobody. Okay, And maybe that's the, that's the situation you're in. But God is saying, but what did He say about you? Yeah. And what are you going to believe? Do you believe that uh, nothing good comes from the mountains? Do you believe that we can't do anything? Do you believe this is the way it's always going to be? Do you believe there's never going to be jobs? Do you believe there's never... Why, why do you believe that? Yeah. Who said? And who... Yeah. Well, who gave them the power to Who's say the that? the source, yeah. Who said yeah. that? Well, so-and-so yeah. said, well, who gives a real? Nothing good has ever come out of Nazareth, <laughs> right? right. Yeah. Well, well, the New York Times says it's the worst place in the world. Well, who cares what the New York Times right. says? That's right. You know, so we've taken that as a challenge, mm-hmm. almost as a... Well, okay. You know, mm-hmm. again, that's some of that heel but stuff. Well, my mm-hmm. gosh. Yeah. Watch. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stand back. Watch this. Watch mm-hmm. this. <laughs> Famous last words, right? Yeah, so whose report are we going to believe, right? Amen. It yeah, comes man. down to that. And he says, 
this this great song that you brought to mind when you were talking there. You say I am loved Amen. when I can't feel a thing. You say I'm strong when I think I'm weak. And you say I'm held when I'm falling short. And when I don't belong, you say that I'm yours. Praise the Lord. Whose report are we going to believe? Amen. Right? Let's right. believe what he says about us. That's right. And uh, we'll be better off in the long run. This has been awesome. We did recap on the uh, our journey here on the podcast. You can get those podcasts, by the way. Yeah. Wherever you get the podcast, you can go there and find our resources. ITunes, we'll be on Spotify soon. Mm-hmm. It's on Podbean if you want to get on there. And, uh, I don't know where else. Check out all the podcasts. Yeah. They're right there for That's you. Right. And we certainly do appreciate you for tuning in to the Real Life Living in the Here and Now podcast. We'll be back soon with another episode. And until then, we advise you and encourage you to keep it real. Thank you for joining the Real Life Podcast. You can subscribe to our program anywhere podcasts are available. Stay up to date by subscribing to our show. Join us next week as we tackle real life together.